Happy Monday and welcome to another sneak preview. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Caleb Blue And today is another Marvel day. Eternals is today's primary focus with Finch, Spencer, and the Harder They Fall following close behind. Eternals is proving to be the most divisive MCU film yet, and we're going to analyze it to death. But first, let's take a look at what happened last week in film. Last week in film. First up, two trailers. We got Swan Song, a sci-fi drama starring Mahershala Ali, Naomi Harris, Aquafina, and Glenn Close. It's Apple TV Plus on December 17th. I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark and say you didn't watch this trailer, but that's okay. No, and actually not because I actively avoided it, because as you know, I'm now actively making sure to watch all the trailers, but I did somehow miss this one. Admittedly, this past week has been me going to work, coming home, unpacking, and putting things away. So that could be why I missed it. To be fair, I missed it until about two hours ago. So it's not just you. This went very underreported. Okay, but, I was about to say. Yeah. But it does look interesting. It's like, from what I gathered from the trailer, Mahershala uh, is a father-to-be, but finds out he's dying or something and decides to clone himself with the help of this company so that his family can have a, a father, but then like finds out he might not be dying. So now he wants back in and the clones like, I'm your, I'm, I'm daddy now or something like that. So that's the vibe I got. So it looks intriguing, amazing cast. So I'm on board. Uh, Next up the long awaited second trailer for Morbius Sony and Marvel's new vampire movie starring Jared Leto. It's theaters January 28th after a lengthy delay. I think this was the movie that got pushed the farthest due to COVID. Not counting the Batman since they weren't done with that yet. Also, I think Batman still fucking wins, but... (sighs) I'm talking fully finished movie. Oh, okay. It's Morbius. Uh, Yeah. No, I did see this trailer. Um, But I'm personally... I'm on board. I won't say it's weird. I'm not, like, super excited, but I'm on board especially because of like Venom, Let There Be Carnage and that whole postcard scene with that. I know we talked about ad nauseum. Has been kind of really excited about what they're going to do at Morbius. It really looks like they're definitely kind of embracing this being a part of the universe. And even like, I'm getting hints of possible Sinister Six team up down the line. Like it, it really feels like that's something they're kind of building towards. So I'm, I'm definitely excited. I Like I said but before, I know we talked about, before we had this podcast, when I was like kind of at the time, defending Jared Leto's casting being Joker because he is a, he's a really good actor. I, I know he can pull it off, but that movie did him no fucking good. Um, so hopefully, you know, this being a, a Marvel film and Sony that he can finally get his comeback with this one, I think, and uh, pull off a really good fucking movie. And I'm just excited to see Morbius, especially with a Blade movie coming. Definitely excited to see Morbius. Yeah. I am too. Um, like you said, you know, Venom, Let There Be Carnage being more uh, like willing to embrace the MCU side of things makes me more happy that, you know, make, more excited that Morbius is going to play ball in a similar way. You know, having Michael Keaton's Vulture just be there to like as kind of a connector is a good idea. Like you said, you know, Sinister Six vibes. Um, I, I wish this had been rated R. I mean, if any Marvel property deserves an R rating, it's Morbius the Living Vampire. I mean, I want to see this guy fuck up some some people. 
I want to see a vampire, but you know, Venom needed an R rating too, and that still worked out. So maybe it'll you know be fine. Yeah, I think like if they pull off like a Venom two and they just go ahead and just push it as far as they can on the PG thirteen, they'll be fine. Um, I'm with you. I mean, yeah, it would be great to have these radar, but obviously Venom looked every conscious out that we're now in the same continuity as MCU. And so with that, I I'll take them going for the rating they're going for, as opposed to the first Venom movie where it was very clearly shot in already film and it got edited down. That bugs me. But if they're if they do it like instead where it was clearly like they designed it for PG-13. It was filmed PG-13, so you don't really notice. I'm cool with it. Yeah, whatever. And like you said, you know, Leto's a decent actor. I've definitely warmed up to him over the years after watching more of his work, you know, Requiem for a Dream and Dallas Buyers Club. I get it now. So I'm on board. Um, and, you know, with COVID kind of destroying the concept of dumpuary for good, uh, you know, January's looking pretty good. We got Morbius. We got Scream. It's looking like a decent month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If there's one thing COVID did right, it seems like we're finally, I don't, I want to say for good. I'm hope, I hope for good, but it does, it's shaping up to be like, we're finally getting actual good releases and don't, you know, the don't months. Potentially, potentially. Um, that's all for trailers this week. Fairly slow week for trailers, but there was a shit ton of casting news. So let's talk about that. Uh, first of all, I don't know why this keeps happening. Chris Pratt is going to be voicing the iconic lazy orange cat Garfield in a new movie on its way. Chris Pratt seems to be the go-to guy for every animated movie in development. I, I just, I don't know why. I Fine. Look, I, I don't plan on seeing the Garfield movie, so I don't care. Look, everyone got tired of him in his face, apparently. So he said, I want to one-up it, and you will still get me, but it's just my voice now. Everyone seems like they're they're finding every opportunity to attack this guy simply because he's like a Christian, which I don't think is fair at all. He he doesn't bother me. Like he yeah. He he's he's he he's making money with his movies for a reason. That's because he knows how to play a charming, charismatic guy. Yeah. He's good at it. He's very good at it, and he's going to keep doing it probably until the day he fucking dies. Or until, you know, age starts to hit and he has to find a different type of role to play yeah i don't i i honestly could give a shit about his personal life i just want to see you know decent work and i did think for a while we were getting a little too much chris pratt but uh i don't know i think it's been a while i could i could use another fix i'm ready for jurassic world three <laughs> let's bring it on that's uh that's next year so don't you worry buddy yeah i think it's is it, no, 2023 is Guardians. I was about to say next year it's Guardians Interest World, but no, Guardians is 2023, I believe. Do we get the holiday special next year? I think we might. Sweet. So we do get a double dosage of Chris Pratt next year. Okay. In live action. And that's true, because everyone's got, you know, they're going to get that Mar that Mario movie, I think, next year or 2023. Is, oh, man, we're getting all of Chris Pratt next year. And then a Garfield movie that no doubt will spawn a franchise that, Every parent will take their kid to see on Saturday morning. Uh, I remember I used to work in a movie theater. I remember the Saturday mornings when we had a kid's movie release. It was like fucking Helm's Deep out there. It was insane. So many kids drink refills. So many little bags of popcorn. Because they don't want to take them after school on a Friday because they're tired. They want to get sleep. 
So they wait till Saturday morning when they've had a full night's sleep and they're like, all right, let's go take them to go see this new movie. I felt like the Black Friday, just like workers in uh, South Park with the eye patch and the like, you know, hold fast. <laughs> we will survive this. <laughs> so many moments at, at Draft House the, when the, we see what the movie is and we'd be like, ah, oh, fuck. Anything Marvel, anything kids movie, anything Star Wars was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> Yeah. At least those you like expect. I can't imagine like those movies that come out that you're just like, I wasn't expecting this one to do good. Oh yeah, I remember those. Yeah, The Revenant, huge movie. I'll never that in um 13 hours, the Benghazi movie. That oh, yeah. was a huge seller for our location. <laughs> yeah, I I remember every movie I ever worked at that place. It was crazy. Yeah. Those are the movies that would really make mad because you don't expect a lot of people, and all of a sudden you're like, "What are all you people here for?" When you look at the schedule, like when the theater starts to fill up, it, it uh, the, the title turns red on the the schedule for the day. And if you walked in and you looked at the schedule and it was just a sea of red, you were like, "I am never going home. <laughs> I'm here from dawn to dusk, and then some." So better load up on caffeine and. Rub those feet because you're going to be using them. <laughs> you know what? Good times. <laughs> Fond memories. I was getting a ton of exercise and making lifelong friends. I, I miss that job so much. <laughs> um, Robert Downey Jr. and Matt Damon have joined Killian Murphy in Christopher Nolan's upcoming Manhattan Project biopic now titled Oppenheimer. And I know you are not the president of the Christopher Nolan fan club right now, which I get, but I am enjoying the casting news of this movie. And I, I like the idea. I am excited about a Manhattan project biopic. Uh, yeah. I like the cast. Uh, Nolan can suck it. Being such a big ass baby. A fully grown man. He's like, what? Almost in his fifties. I can like a fucking child, but um. Yeah, cast is cool. Still don't really give a shit about this movie thanks to Nolan's attitude. When I was a kid in pre-K, like really early on, I learned and I assumed everybody else did as well the concept of sharing. And I learned through Nolan that apparently not everybody did because, you know, Homeboy wants the entire month to himself and his movie, his special little cinema masterpiece and nobody else gets to play in the universal sandbox for a little bit. And I don't think that's fair. Oh, uh, I've never hoped for a movie to tank more in my life than his upcoming movie. Um, again, trust me, look, I can still like watch a movie. I'll still watch his movies and enjoy them. So there's a lot of previous ones he did that I love like Memento and the dark Knight trilogy and stuff like that. But it's just like it. I'm one of those that like, even if you're a big hotshot director, right, and you've done all this, it doesn't matter if you're Tarantino, Nolan, Villeneuve, your assholery does not excuse you for shit. You still have every right to be a fucking decent human being. Yeah. But, you know, as we've proven, as has been proven many times before in Hollywood, the only color that truly matters to these people is green, and it will not, you know, niceties don't matter, manners don't matter, all that matters is what can you pull in? And if you're pulling in decent green, you can do whatever the fuck you want. And they know that. 
which is why I'm a big horror fan because they're not like that in the horror community. They're way better. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Sophia Butella will lead Zack Snyder's new sci-fi epic Rebel Moon, which no doubt will be heading to Netflix in the next few years, and that's all we're going to fucking say. I'm not even going to let you retort. We're moving on. So, like, with Zack Snyder and Planet of the Dead, or no, Moon Moonfall, whatever the movie is you just named. <laughs> There's a lot of moon shit coming out next year. Yeah. I- <laughs> I'll say this much. Uh, I'll say two things. One, I like Sofia Patella, usually. Um, I don't blame her for The Mummy. There's a lot of other reasons why that movie sucked. I blame Tom um, Cruise for The Mummy, almost oh, entirely. 100%. 100%. Like, if you read up on how that got made, 100% his fault. Um, so, I like her. Um, I'll, and two, I just love the pain in your eyes whenever Zack Snyder comes up because it's like I finally I'm not the one with the pain in the eyes. It's not me this time. Zack Snyder is my Christopher Nolan. <laughs> I, I hate his guts. I except I I get breaks with Nolan. You seem to keep getting Snyder news. He never stops. He never just goes away for a little bit. There's always something. If it's not the Snyder Cut, it's Army of the Dead. If it's not Army of the Dead, it's Army of Thieves. If it's not Army of Thieves, it's fucking Rebel Moon. I'm done. I don't now, want to keep doing this. Now it's Planet of the Dead gearing up. Seriously? That's the name of the movie, Planet That's of it. the Dead. Despite the fact that he ripped off that title from a really good Doctor Who episode, we don't need it. Uh, apparently it was a big hit for Netflix. The Snyder fans came out in troves. The Snyder fans. Blah. Blah. Just a... Blah. I don't even want to... How can you watch all this shit and, be, and consider yourself a fan? How do you look at this and think, that was a good movie, I enjoyed that? How do you do that? I don't know, but I think I might have a turnaround because of how much it's just killing you. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm going to just like like we cut Army of Thieves from the schedule. I'm going to cut Rebel Moon as well. I don't want to deal with this guy anymore. I think I kind of want to watch it now, though. Feel free. You watch it. You say your piece. I'm not dealing with it. I want to make you watch it. You can't make me do shit. And you know it. No, I can't. You don't know my power. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Um, you keep you keep telling yourself that. I'll make you watch it. I am not going to watch it. God damn it. No, no, (laughs) it's not happening. Moving on. Hopefully, hopefully I don't have to hear about who got cast in it next week. Cause honestly, I want at least give me two weeks at minimum break from Zack Snyder. I hope to hear at least three different Zack Snyder things this week. That you have to report on and if not i'll keep a note of them so that i can i hope christopher nolan adds the month of august to his contract and refuses to back down okay just for you how does august affect me what the fuck's coming out in august probably a lot <laughs> it's the summer halloween, halloween ends comes out in october so we're good i hope oppenheimer gets moved to october and they're forced to push Halloween ends to literally Christmas week because it will make no fucking sense. I'll still watch it. I know, but it won't feel right. It will feel right. 
Every day is Halloween for a horror fan. His movies suck. Not Nolan, Snyder. I'm back to this. Really, it's just, it's consistent shit that doesn't make money. Like, no, it's making money. That's why he keeps getting movies. I'm talking the theatrical stuff, like not the money they wanted, like Batman v Superman, for instance. Yeah, it was a hit, but it wasn't the hit they expected. It wasn't quality. It set the t- it set a tone that nobody wanted to see. Like, yeah. And then Army of the Dead was two and a half hours of just inconsistent bullshit that even you didn't like. Oh no, not at all. Fucking <laughs> <sighs> hated that movie, and I had someone be like, "Really, you didn't like that movie?" I was like, "No, I I hated it. I've seen way better zombie films. A lot of better zombie films. It's like watch any George A. Romero movie." Watch Return Living Dead. Any goddamn zombie film that isn't Army of the Dead. <laughs> Sean did. Watch that one. Zombieland? That one. I, all right. Even the bad seasons of The Walking Dead. Yeah, you're right. Um, here's some interesting news that isn't Zack Snyder related. Gal Gadot has been cast as the evil queen in Disney's upcoming live-action Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs remake. Uh, so they're finally going back to the beginning, remaking their first classic. It was bound to happen sooner or later, and Gal Gadot is uh, playing the queen. So, cool. Wonder Woman's going to be an evil super bitch. I like Gal Gadot. I've said probably enough on my piece about how I felt with this Disney live action thing of all the yeah. cartoons. I, unless they're looking at a different angle like they did with Maleficent, I don't care. I don't need to see the cartoon in live action form. Well, you're gonna, because that's what they're gonna do. Um, well, technically, I didn't watch Lion King yet. I have like absolutely refused to sit through Lion King. It was a waste of time. That movie was. The exact same movie. All they did was they took Be Prepared away and they added in a, like, Beyonce got her own song. But other than that, it's the same dialogue. It's weird. Um, yeah, so don't bother. Uh, Ariana Grande and Cynthia Erivo have been cast in the long-awaited film adaptation of the Broadway musical Wicked. They've been trying to make this for years. Uh, Grande will... Hmm? Well, say I've heard about this for a long time. Yeah, uh, the guy who did Crazy Rich Asians is doing it. Uh, okay. that movie or at least he's he's the latest to be doing it. Who knows if this will actually happen? Uh, Ariana Grande will be Glinda the Good Witch, while Erevo will be Elf Elfaba, the Wicked Witch of the West. Uh, from what I hear of the story, she's more like Glinda the Good Bitch. <laughs> so, yeah. I haven't read Wicked or seen the show, so I don't really know much about it apart from the fact that the Wicked Witch of the West was a was turned evil by just being bullied for being green, which makes sense. Um, so that ought to be interesting. Yeah. Um, Gael Garcia Bernal has been cast in the lead role of Marvel's upcoming Werewolf by Night Halloween special for Disney Plus next year. Uh, sweet. I don't really know a lot about Werewolf by Night, but I'm excited because it's Marvel. So, yeah, I'm excited just because it's Marvel doing horror. And I've made it very known that I love the blend of horror and superhero stuff. And I'm glad to be seeing it. Like, Marvel was really seen embracing it with the whole Doctor Strange. She's supposed to be, like, more horror-ish. This Wolf by Night now. And then, obviously, Blade, when that ever that gets dated to come out. 
So I'm I'm all for it. I'm all for this horror kick there and into I'm loving it. Yeah, me too. Uh this was sad. Character actor William Lucking has died at 80 years old. Uh he appeared in such films as Red Dragon, The Limey, The Rundown, and K Pax, but he's perhaps best known for his role as Piney Winston on the FX series Sons of Anarchy. And uh he will be missed. Piney was such a rotten old bastard, but you loved him on Sons. And uh yeah, it's a shame. I hate when we lose good character actors. It was a shame. I have not seen Sons of Anarchy. It's one of the many like shows that just slipped past me. His character is like one of the old founders of the club. And um, he's Ryan Hurst's father in the show. So he's like old school and he starts sensing, you know, the club's gone wrong and the current leaders are like, you shut the fuck up. And he's like, I will not shut the fuck up. And things happen. But uh, he's a great character. He's got like a, he's the only one with like a jean jacket cut and he like has an oxygen tank, but he still looks like he can kick your ass. It's it's a great character. Okay. Yeah. Um, this was neat. The upcoming adaptation of Stephen King's short story, The Boogeyman, has been sold to Hulu. Host director Rob Savage is directing. So this is looking nice. Yeah, this one had me excited because I do remember that short story. I remember really liking that short story and how it ended was creepy as fuck. But uh I remember really liking it. I love, I love Toast. Toast was fucking insanely good. So Rob Savage adapting uh, the Stephen King adaptation or the Stephen King short story. Hell yeah, I'm I'm on board for it. The Boogeyman is so smart. It's like ten pages long, but it's such a great story. It's so simple. It's yeah. Check that out. I recommend if you haven't read it, you can probably find it online. It'll take you ten minutes. Just check it out. It's a great story. I, mean, I don't really see how he pulls a whole film out of it, but I trust Rob Savage to do so. If anything, he might be able to pull off on a short thing like this. He's made it exclusively for Hulu, so that's true. Feature length restraints may not be placed on them. True, true, true. And finally, and I know you're going to like this: Norman Reedus, Sean Patrick Flannery, and director Troy Duffy are finally returning for the Boondock Saints three. It's finally happening. Yeah, I, I'm excited. Because I, I personally really enjoyed the hell out of the first Moondog Saints. Um, I've seen a lot. Uh, I've seen the second movie once. Admittedly, I've only watched it one time. I remember thinking it was pretty good, just not as good as the first movie. And yeah, I've been pretty excited for this. But at the same time, I'm also like trepidatious because this has been in development for so fucking long. And Joy Duffy's been so like, it's happening, and then it's not happening. And then it's happening, and then it's not happening that I'm like, I'm so trepidatious to like get too excited just for all three of them. I would be like, oh, never mind. But it sounds like they fucking cracked some kind of a story for it. They're getting ready to go into production from the way it sounds. You got all three on board. Lawrence Reedus is about to have some time on his hands. Not a whole, not a whole lot. I know he has his own fucking spinoff show plan. But he has a little time. I don't know what the fuck Sean Pat- Patrick Flannery's doing with his life, so... Hopefully this is it. Hopefully we'll finally get this damn third movie. And if they're smart with how long it's taking them to do it, they'll fucking just end it with this. Because I don't think I can wait like another 10 or more years for a geriatrics <laughs> Boondock Saints. I might want to watch the first one again because it's been a long time and I don't, I remember thinking it was, it was okay. It was like way weirder than I expected. 
Uh, so I think that that could benefit from another watch. That'd be a perfect film, Gasm. Boondock Saints. Yeah, it would be. Um, so yeah, hopefully it does happen this time for your sake. Uh, yeah. Probably cock tease with the idea of third movie coming out. <laughs> Give me Boondock Saints 3, goddammit. Uh, so before we get into Eternals, uh, I'd like to talk a bit about the other three films that came out this week. Uh, I was able to watch all four. Um, I know you were only able to get to Eternals, and that's fine. I often spoke about how, you know, I will take them all for the team on this show. It's what I do. I am the one with the least valuable time, so I will, I will absorb it. <laughs> uh, Finch. Apple TV Plus's like third movie this year, like their output is ridiculously low. I'm wondering if it's really worth the money. But then I see a movie like this and I'm like, oh, okay, that's what I'm paying for. Uh, Finch was fantastic. Uh, Tom Hanks and Caleb Landry Jones were the only actors in the movie, apart from the dog. And it's just a very sweet movie. It's about a scientist in the, at the end of the world. Um, a solar flare hit earth, wiped out all technology and birth like blew a hole in the ozone that killed pretty much everybody. Uh, Finch found an underground shelter, managed to, you know, restart technology and built a robot, uh, to protect his dog when Finch inevitably dies. And he teaches this robot how to be a person, how to be a human. The robot names itself, Jeff. And I, I was laughing my ass off at a robot named Jeff. <laughs> and it's just, it's a cool movie to watch a robot kind of learn how to be human and fully embrace the idea of like life, death, faith. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. And Hanks, of course, is brilliant as he always is. Uh, and it's just a very enjoyable, endearing film that I wish was more accessible because not a lot of people have Apple TV+. Plus. Because it's really, you're not, I mean, unless you're a big Ted Lasso fan, there's really just not a lot you get out of it. Um, but their film output this year, apart from Cherry, has been really good. Finch was great. Coda was great. And I'm betting Swan Song is going to be great, too. So I recommend if you have Apple TV+, Plus, check out Finch. It's a solid eight. Also, of course, you believe the weird Tom Hanks conspiracy stories. What are the weird Tom Hanks conspiracy? What is he dead or something? Now, supposedly, like QAnon has him at like the head of a child sacrificing, sex trafficking, baby eating thing. Of course they do. I mean, if if sucking down Adrenochrome makes you this talented, I say let him do it. I I don't know (laughs) how the hell he got under their radar. But they targeted him for some reason. I'm like, really, Tom Hanks of all people? Tom Hanks. Yeah. No, amazingly, I don't buy it. <laughs> yeah. Amazingly, I like to, I buy the idea that he's a pretty stand up guy because yeah. there's been nothing to tell me otherwise. Yeah. Solid guy. I love Tom Hanks. Uh, he was just on Kimmel talking about uh, his, uh, you know, coming up with Peter Scolari, his friend from Bosom Buddies who passed away recently. Um, and he got really emotional just talking about like, Apparently, Scolari fought for him to get fought. He fought the producers to get Tom Hanks on the show. Like they didn't believe he could be funny. Scolari is the guy who basically 
gave Tom Hanks a career. And they've been friends ever since. Like they never fell out because he got too famous or anything. Like to the day he died, they were best friends. And that was just very, very touching. Wow. Uh, I also, I want to praise uh, Caleb Landry Jones's performance. Uh, He played the robot. Uh, He played Banshee in X-Men first class. Uh, He was, I think he was, yeah, he was the, uh, the crazy brother in uh, the white brother in get out. Yeah. He was also, I want to say that in the last exorcism, if I recall correctly, been so long since i saw that movie i, I couldn't tell you he was also like the brother to like the louisiana family that they were looking into i want to say you're probably right i just don't want to confirm anything i haven't seen the movie in like 10 years but it was good don't don't tell me don't say nothing i liked it catch you better but he was, you know, his 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 performance grows over time. At first, he's very like obviously robotic because he's a new robot. But over the course of the film, his you know he develops speech patterns, and to- at the end of the film, he's talking like a regular person. And it was a very solid performance. Uh, so yeah, Finch was great. I really liked Finch. Um, Spencer, the weak link of the weekend. Uh, and I was really defending this movie up to the up to when until I saw it. Like I kept telling everybody, like, give Kristen Stewart a chance, you know. Oh, it's a looks like a brilliant biopic. And it's it's such an odd choice of movie. First off, Kristen Stewart is good. She's not great. There are times when the accent slips, and it's very clear I'm watching an American play a British person. <laughs> uh and personally. I think it's fucking weird that maybe the most iconic royal in England's history is being played by an American. I don't think that that's right. Uh, typically, British actors are so much better at doing American accents than American acts than American actors are at doing British accents. Rarely does it go the other way, and this is no this is you know not an exception. Uh, the film is such an odd duck. It's such it's so surreal at times she's being followed by the ghost of Anne Boleyn the whole time because she sees herself as you know another sacrificial lamb of the royal family which admittedly yeah kind of um Timothy Spall was great he plays the head of the household guard he has lost a ton of weight and he really he looks great it was a solid like almost scary performance at times uh the royals are treated more as like a background obstacle they're not really characters almost like they're not really people because they kind of aren't they live in their own little bubble they're barely human beings uh and this is the story of the the christmas trip that she took with the royal family that convinced her to leave prince charles and uh you don't really get a lot of facts it's mostly assumptions and dreams and just diana kind of attempting suicide but not going through with it which did happen a couple times uh, I wanted this to be more grounded in reality and I think it was a I want more of an overall view of her life not just this one weekend you know so for me I gave it a six I thought Kristen Stewart was miscast and I wanted more of a grounded story so it's a shame I didn't watch this and I actually have nothing against Kristen Stewart I just didn't watch this so yeah, I know you surprisingly 
a biopic of Princess Diana, didn't think that was up your alley. Yeah. The furthest thing from it. Yeah. Didn't need to be told that. You're talking to a guy that got really excited because the new Slipknot song came out this weekend. So, yeah. I'm talking to the guy who not 30 minutes ago proudly showed me his Evil Dead puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> so, Evil Dead. I know the audience can't see it. Yeah. But Evil Dead puzzle. Go ahead. Rattle that around for the audience. Stand by. There you go. That's an Evil Dead puzzle right there. <laughs> yeah. I am very well aware of what you're about. And it ain't the royal family. So, yeah, I was going to be alone on this one. I'm, I'm dying on this hill. But you know what? I saw it. I didn't like it. There were talkers next to me. That really bothered me. It was so annoying. Like, the, it was a couple who I think have, like, never been to the movies before, despite the fact they were easily in their 60s. And they kept asking each other questions and answering them. Like, I got up and moved. I looked at them, stood up and moved to try to get out of earshot. And it did work. But when the title came on, Spencer, the lady asked, like, why is this called Spencer? Like, loudly. And he went, well, it was her, it was her last name. <laughs> like, like, they're in their fucking living room. <laughs> like, how do these people exist? How do you go that far in life at this point without being told, don't talk at the fucking movie theater? How do you go that far into the theater and wonder why the movie's called Spencer? I was I was this close. I was this sure they had wandered into the wrong theater. Like I was certain they were there to see Eternals and ended up in the wrong theater. It had to have been because they didn't know shit about what they were going to see. <laughs> the whole time they were like, what is this? Why is this happening? And I'm like, ah. Oh. And he had a wrapper. He had like a candy wrapper. So I was hearing like just a crinkling noise the whole time. I wanted to kill these people. I mean, you should have. Oh, they've they lived a life. <laughs> they were like, it was me, them, and like another family that started talking. And I'm like, am I the only one with some goddamn decorum? Like, shut the fuck up when you go to the movie theater. Like, I'm sick of people being nice about it. You know, this, this, the on the uh, screen says like, oh, please don't talk and disturb others. Thank you. No, it needs to be shut the fuck up. Seriously. Like, that needs to be the ad. Like, stop talking, you goddamn <laughs> idiot. Shut up or we will shoot you. Don't yeah. you dare make a peep during this movie. Like, I want to have, I want to start my own movie theater and with a very firm policy that just has a sign that says, shut up or I'll shut you up. <laughs> I want to find like fake gunshot noises. So anytime I even sense it, someone talking, you just hear the loudest bang of your life. <laughs> I have like a fake talker, like an actor I hire to be like a talker. And then I just have another guy literally shoot him with like, with blanks and he like explodes and it sets a tone for every showing of everything I have. <laughs> Eventually somebody's going to catch on that. They keep seeing the same guy get shot every yeah, weekend. They go to the actors movie. and makeup effects and stuff. You gotta, you gotta think outside the box, dude. I figured I'd just swap out the guys. Like one day the, the, the victim is the shooter. One day the shooter is the victim and just kind of swap them every other weekend. Smart. <laughs> but seriously, movie talkers can go straight to hell. They're the worst human beings on earth. Yeah, look, this is my thing with movies. So many, so, so many people nowadays are like, why do you care if I talk to the movie? Why do you care if I pull myself out of the movie? Because you just paid a ticket to see a fucking movie. And if you can't escape reality for an hour and a half to, in this movie's case, two and a half hours, in a very extreme case, I mean extreme case, three hours on some movies, for that amount of time, and you can't just get away from the fucking world, 
and you can't shut your stupid goddamn mouth, why the fuck are you at the movies? Stay home. Stay connected to the world like you want to be. Talk just like you want to be. But stay the fuck out of the movie. I paid to see the movie. I've gone on dates to where they were trying to like want to make out in the movie. And I'm like, no. I just paid for both of us to see this movie. So watch the fucking movie I just paid for. You you sound like a fun date. Uh, in those cases, I, I am post movie. I am not anti make out of the movies because you know why? That's mostly quiet. Uh, but people talking, you know, like. And I notice most of the time, it's never people our age. It's always old people, in my experience, at least. It's always old people who just, I feel like, have never been told no in their life. So why would it happen now? And I just, I, I, it's infuriating. Like, just stay home, suck on butterscotch, and watch a Jimmy Stewart movie. And stay the fuck out of my day. It's old people talking. It's people our age that do the phone shit. Um, yeah. Honestly, that doesn't happen as often as... Since like I'm led to believe it happens, I've never had to. I've never seen that. Occasionally, somebody's phone will go off, but I never see anybody like openly texting. I've seen it a couple of times. That sucks. Mm. Sometimes, and this has happened to me a couple of times, but not often. It'll be a group of young girls who are constantly trying to make each other laugh. God, yeah. And they like, there's always an alpha who, if you tell them to shut up, they get super bitchy and are like, you know, I. How dare you talk to me like that? I'll do what I want, you know? And there's yeah, nothing you can do with that. No, if they haven't dealt with me. I'll be like, yeah, I'll do what I want. So shut the fuck up. Mm. See, but the then, then you're in an argument and nobody's watching the movie. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> At that point, I still, I will win because I'm just getting you ticket to go see a different movie without them in it. Nobody will ever top cheesesteak guy. Though that was the craziest shit I've ever seen at the movies. I don't know if I ever told that story on one of these shows, but it was ballistic. I think I've told you like in our in our own lives, but I don't think I've said it on the show. When I worked at Draft House, yeah, in our private lives, there's podcast Connor, and then there's regular refined Connor, who is nothing like his persona on the show. Don't don't you dare lie to them. This is exactly who I am. There is no change. Let's be honest here. Yeah, I was like, don't you try to fly that shit at rip me on. But I think I've, I've told you this story, but I never told the audience this story. When I worked at Draft House, uh, it was like my third time coming back. I would go on and off in between college semesters. And uh, there was this, it was middle of the day on like a Wednesday. There was like nobody there. And there's one guy in theater four. I remember this story like it happened yesterday because it blew my fucking mind. Um. He ordered a cheesesteak, but he wanted us to break the mozzarella sticks up and put the cheese from in there on his cheesesteak. And we were like, no, (laughs) you you can't do that. I mean, you can buy mozzarella sticks and a cheesesteak and do with them what you will, but we can't just rip open mozzarella sticks and put them on your sandwich. And the waiter was very polite about that. And this guy went from zero to 150 so fast. He went straight to, you son of a bitch, how could you do that? I, I want my goddamn sandwich. And after at that point, we were like, sir, get your shit, get the fuck out of our theater. And he did not take no for an answer. He got up, ran into the lobby, started cussing out everybody he could find. The GM got involved. He kept calling the GM horrific 
slurs and horrible shit. And uh, we called the cops. I got put on crowd control. And I was told I had to put the tell the customers coming in like we're handling it. I'm sorry you have to see that we're handling it. Like the police have been notified. I'm sorry. And I had so many people be like, what is going on here? And like, can you believe that, man? And it took a while for the cops to show up. Thankfully, this dude didn't have a gun or anything, but he was all this shit over a sandwich. <laughs> over a fucking Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> Jesus. What it, was, it was nuts. And his personal life room just blew up like that. This was not the first act of a bad day. This was the last act of a few bad days. Yeah. This was a snowball effect that exploded at our theater. <laughs> this was a man that had a whole lot of bad shit happen. And like, that was the final straw. As soon as you told him you couldn't do that, he just lost it. All he wanted was a very unreasonable cheesesteak. <laughs> and it just, it was too much for him to accept that. No, he needed to unload his pain on every person he could see. <laughs> oh boy that was i won't do that one if i ever just like have a bad day and lose it that's gonna, that's gonna be me but constantly throwing in the fact that i am in the military oh <laughs> just be God. that guy i am a veteran <laughs> <laughs> and this is how you treat me oh uh, you if you do that you are the worst fucking person i know that's the thing if I ever get to that point, I will absolutely be the worst fucking person. I'm just going to go all in. <laughs> You're already making a scene. Why not double down? Exactly. <laughs> double down, make it worse. You're already the asshole of the day. Might as well, you know, bring it home. <laughs> People are going to remember you. That's for sure. You become a story. Okay. <laughs> <coughs> fucking grand slam that asshole. Right? Oh. That happened like f- four years ago. I remember it so vividly. I mean, I, I didn't see a lot of people get thrown out of draft house. When I worked briefly at box office, I had to tell a few families they couldn't come in because their kids were too young. That was rough. It was Avengers Endgame. And these people were like bringing in their kids. And I had to be like, your kids are too young. You got to leave. And I'm like, I didn't want to. In my eyes, I'm like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't want but they never it. they never recognized it. They were always like, how dare you? And I'm like, I know. Just please read the sign and go go away. <laughs> you don't like to do that. And customers like to take it out on the worker because, you know, that's the smart thing to do. Yeah, they got to aim it somewhere, and I'm standing right there. <laughs> they don't have uh, I hate customers. Customer service is one of the re- reasons I fucking despise people. So, yeah. I do miss that job though. Like the, the, the little, you know, running food to, to tables that weren't my problem. That was easy work. <laughs> I got free movies. It was fine. I, I, I like that. Ah, oh, good times. Fuck you. Cheesesteak guy. If you hear this, I hope you remember this. You probably remember it differently, <laughs> but you were unless, still involved. Unless because of that day, he committed the ultimate last act. And he's not listening to this right now. He didn't seem suicidal. He seemed more like he was on his way to go kill somebody. <laughs> so I don't know if they let you have podcasts in prison, but I hope he's listening. Oh, I think they don't. Hmm? Oh, I think they don't. Uh, prison. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, Spencer wasn't wasn't great. <laughs> that was my original point. Oh, shit, we were talking about Spencer, weren't we? <laughs> uh, the harder they fall, easily the best movie I saw this weekend. A phenomenal western, a fun fucking movie. Uh, a black western that had fuck all to do with slavery. That was nice. Um, and just a loaded cast of epic character actors and a really cool vengeance story. It was so badass. I, I really like Jonathan Majors now after seeing his brief bit in Loki and now this. I might take a weekend and watch Lovecraft Country just so I can get a little bit more of him. He's really he's, in that. He's phenomenal. He's our hero. Idris Elba is a super sadistic bad guy. Uh, Rufus Buck. What a, what a badass Western outlaw name. I mean, come on. Um, and all the characters are based on real black legends from the 1800s, like real outlaws who existed and were barely, you know, kind of barely written about kind of whitewashed out of history. They were, you know, they got their time to shine. And that was really cool. The soundtrack is badass. It's so fun. Like Netflix needs to green light more productions like this, because this is what I go. This is what I go there for. Like awesome stories. I was immediately drawn in. Didn't look at my phone once. I was sucked into this movie. It was so great. I gave it a nine. It's fantastic. Plus, if Netflix would, you know, believe in quality over quantity instead of what they actually believe in, we'd probably get more films like this from Netflix, but they're so dead sounding getting like the most films out in a year. Yes. And That's I'm like, unfortunate. Yeah, I'm like, stop. Like, I don't pay you for the for the quantity of your content. I pay you for the quality of your content. I feel like most people pay for TV. I feel like I'm, you know, where the poor schmo is watching the movies. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't do it for podcasts. I do watch a lot of their shows. I do think the quality is there on the shows. They definitely deliver on a lot. There's a lot, like I said, some of these like season of uh, Lock and Key, and then they got next month, second season of Witcher is finally coming. I, I'm so fucking excited for that. So it's like, they do have stuff I like. It's but their show, it's like they could just take like the what they believe with their shows and carry that over to their movies. That'd be great. Yeah, it would. Because this was amazing. This was awesome. This was fun. I I would watch it again. It was a really cool movie. And uh, if it hasn't, if it hadn't been Marvel Day, this would be what we're talking about big time today. Because this was a fucking fun movie. Uh, really cool. Check it out. Nine out of ten. And that takes us to the big one, Eternals. The Eternals first appeared in Marvel Comics in 1976 in the Eternals number one. They were created by Jack Kirby, the artist behind so many of Marvel's iconic characters. He and Stan Lee pretty much created the look and vibe of Marvel Comics, all of the characters. Pretty much, if you remember a Marvel character from the 60s, 70s, Jack Kirby drew him. Uh, after developing the New Gods series for DC, which was promptly canceled, Kirby returned to Marvel with the Eternals, which was pretty similar. He basically recycled his New Gods stories that were unwritten or unfinished into the Eternals. And it still didn't work. It got canceled pretty fast over there, too. Nobody wanted his super conceptual ancient aliens thing that <laughs> uh, just didn't vibe, I guess. But New Gods ended up evolving into something pretty significant for DC, you know, Darkseid and Orion and all those assholes. 
And uh, Eternals kept kind of coming back and forth through the 80s and 90s. Um, they reappeared several miniseries, including one by Neil Gaiman in 2006. And this is the 26th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So the Eternals have been immortalized on film. Here it is. Like it or lo- like it or hate it. Kirby got his vision, which is which is fantastic. I'm happy for him, you know, wherever he may be. Uh, so Eternals, first thoughts. I know we're going to be pretty uh, pretty disagreeing here, uh, but I am curious to hear your immediate thoughts on this. I thought it was okay. This is part, I don't know if it's necessarily my least favorite Marvel film. I think Iron Man 2 might still hold that one. Or it's like, maybe even the Dark Lord. I don't know. Uh, actually, I kind of like the Dark Lord. But uh, this one, I just, they, they, they do try to do a lot. And I give them credit. They're definitely trying to do a lot in this movie. It's, it's packed. But at the same time, there was long stretches where it just felt like nothing, like absolutely nothing was uh, happening. And so there was many stretches in this movie where I was actually fighting sleep actively in the theater, like, don't fall asleep. You got to, oh God, just move around, stay awake. Um, I just, I just, this movie didn't like have a whole lot going on to keep me interested. I, um god what else i'm really trying to think here but uh it the best way i described to a lot of people was like i wasn't really excited anything that happened in the movie but at the possibilities that it left me with towards seeing that like what things that are going to come down the line i i don't i know they already talked about in interviews that they don't really see this being like a they're making like eternal sequels per se but we'll just kind of see them pop up in other movies and I'm with that. I really don't see, nor this was the first time where I actually remember finishing this movie going, I'm okay if I don't get any Eternals too. I'm, I'm okay with this. All valid points. Uh, 26 movies in this franchise. There's a fair bet. They're not all going to be masterpieces, but their batting average is pretty fucking great for 26 movies. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, everyone who doesn't like Eternals, okay, it's valid. You know, I'm not a Marvel fanboy who's going to, you know, jump down your throat and call you crazy because, frankly, I, I don't give a fuck. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was neat. I liked, um, I liked having something new. I liked the characters. Um, I I enjoyed this. I didn't think it needed to be two and a half hours, but you know, after watching Nomadland for Oscar Sunday and thinking Chloe Zhao was gonna fuck this up, I'm glad, in my opinion, that I don't think she did. Uh, and like you said, the tease of things to come, pretty cool. <laughs> so uh, we'll talk more about that, obviously, as we go through uh, Eternals. Um, but let's talk about this impressive cast. Uh, first off, Eternals was directed by Oscar winner Chloe Zhao, who won Best Director and Best Picture earlier this year for Nomadland, which we just talked about on Oscar Sunday. Go check it out, episode 75. Uh, Gemma Chan plays Cersei, who can change the property of matter. 
Chan previously played Minerva in Captain Marvel, making her one of the rare MCU actors who played multiple characters. She was also in Crazy Rich Asians, Mary Queen of Scots, Transformers The Last Knight, and Raya and the Last Dragon, among other things. So she's, uh, she's about to be pretty big. Uh, hopefully this works out for her, because I thought she was really good. Yeah, I liked her a lot in this. Um, I've no issues with performances in this movie for the most part. I know uh, the I went with Josh and uh, our buddy Laura, and I know she was uh, constantly complaining about uh, Drury, his accent kind of slipping and being all over the place. Yeah, like he, the actor wasn't really able to hold it, which is valid. Um, See, I I ch- I chalked that up to being you know spending seven thousand years on Earth and kind of having an uneven grasp of of our language and just kind of having an accent that bounced all over the world that's how that's how you justified that yes <laughs> besides that uh the actors all were really good in this um i really liked her a lot in this i thought they did a smart because i know like to chloe's house credit like it was a huge 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 gash she was dealing with compared to any mobile film i think we've ever seen and she did. She was smart to hold it together by having this person be the main person that we follow, and kind of help us guide through this story. A big problem she also had had to navigate is that you know we are being introduced to a very large team all at once. I know a lot of people have, have uh, chastised the character development in this film, which is fair. Some of these guys don't get a fair shake in terms of screen time, but. Um, you know, we got to meet the Avengers over the course of like five movies where we got to meet, you know, their individual personalities and then got to see how they mesh as a team. Eternal starts out as a team. So you kind of just got to take what you can get in that department. Uh, sometimes it works, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, sometimes not quite Justice League. In this case, I think it's about middle ground. Yeah. Um, so Gemma Chan's great. Richard Madden plays Icarus, the strongest Eternal, whose powers include flight and laser eyes. He is hilariously compared to Superman about halfway through the movie. Still wondering how they were able to do that. Uh, Madden is known for his role as Rob Stark on HBO's Game of Thrones. He was also in Rocket Man, Cinderella, 1917, and the miniseries Bodyguard. And uh, now's a good time to say massive spoiler warning. Um, but you should know that. We're like almost 50 episodes in on this show. If, you're not, if you don't know what this is about, why would you start at 50? So, yeah, not our fault. It's a, movie, it's a podcast about current movies. We're going to be spoiling everything. Uh, he's the bad guy. I didn't expect that. Yeah, I remember... Because the trailer said Craig just good job making it seem like he's not going to be a bad guy. And um, about halfway through, when it started kind of getting... The clues were coming in that, like, uh, you know, some hike when we get to her, like, she may not have died the way we thought. We're like, oh, okay, something happened. Like, something's going on. And then I started to slowly hear in when they kept seeing, like, essentially checking if he was all right throughout the movie. I was like, he's, there's something he's not saying. And, um, you know, then we get the reveal. Um, I really, really like Richard Madden in this. Um, my only exposure to him was Game of Thrones. I really liked him in Game of Thrones. And seeing this, I was like, God, he's a goddamn good actor. Um, one thing I will say, and this is a negative, and I cannot 
go any further out saying this, but God damn it, Marvel, you were able to get the Superman joke in there. You weren't able to make a Game of Thrones joke when him and Kit Harrington were on screen together. Just saying. Not just that, but him and Kit Harrington constantly name dropping Cersei. <laughs> exactly. I was like, you can't make one Game of Thrones joke in your two and a half hour movie. To be, f- to be fair, considering the uh, pretty fucked up fallout from that show, I don't think Kit Harrington wanted to relive that. <laughs> just one quick joke, because. It would have been more so to the early days, like if maybe a red writing joke. <laughs> to be fair, they did in the first episode when Rob Stark leaves Jon Snow for the last time and says, next time I see you, you'll be all in black. When they do meet each other in this movie, they are both wearing all black. So there's that. I wanted it in the movie, though. It is in the movie. They're wearing black in the movie. That's what I'm talking about. I wanted about. a joke in the movie. Don't be wrong. I, I did like I like the Superman joke. That was really funny because I was like, he's basically Superman. Yeah, that was actually kind of annoying. <laughs> he, yeah. he is Superman. It's the same fucking powers. Yeah, I did like his comment though. He goes, I don't wear a cape. <laughs> but I was like, oh, come on. Not like, how's the North? Or just something just quick and sly like that. You know, like. You no, know ah. it would have been nice. Start snowing a little. One of them goes, ooh, looks like winter's coming. There you go. I would have liked that. <laughs> and one of them like gives the other one a look of like, huh, <laughs> familiar. Yeah, I'm just saying like Marvel's done it before where they've made quick little nods to like things the actors have been in. And it's like, oh, come on. Missed opportunity here yet. I will never forgive Marvel for not giving us a no shit Sherlock exchange between Robert Downey Jr. and Benedict Cumberbatch. I will never forgive them for that. They had so many opportunities. <laughs> they never, they didn't do it. <laughs> it's like they constantly have that moment of like, we're not going to take it. And I'm like, God damn it, just take it. Um, so I obviously Game of Thrones for Madden. Um, I thought he was such a shit in Rocket Man. Just an absolute bastard. And then his brief bit at the end of 1917 is very moving. So yeah, I think he's a very talented oh, actor. Yeah, right. he's, he's the brother at the end of the movie. He was really good in that too. Um, I know he's your front runner for James Bond, and seeing him in more stuff, I'm seeing it more and more. Because admittedly, in Game of Thrones, I was like, I mean, oh, yeah, okay. But seeing him kind of outside of that, what he's been doing outside of Game of Thrones, yeah, yeah, I'm down. I'm curious if that, if Eternals was his actual accent, because now that I think about it, I don't think I've ever heard him use the same fucking accent anything I've watched. He's always been Scottish. I've never heard him not be Scottish. He wasn't Scottish in 1917, that brief scene. He wasn't? I don't think so. Why Why wouldn't he be? So I, don't I, don't think Scots, I thought the Scots didn't fight in World War I. It was the, they all fought in World it was the Eng, It was the country of Great Britain. They all fought in World War I. Oh, that makes sense. Like, <laughs> America wasn't that involved in it, so he... Ah. Yeah, we were. We ended the fucking war. Yeah, but we were involved in the last year. Just... Just admit to me right now, you don't know that much about World War One. I. I know everything about World War One. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, Rocket Man, he's straight up a Scottish piece of shit in that movie. I've seen Rocket Man, so it doesn't count for me. You should watch Rocket Man. It's a great movie. I should, but it doesn't count for me right now, so suck it. Fine. Pretty sure he was not Scottish in Game of Thrones. I almost don't recall hearing that accent in Game of Thrones. 
he used his straight up regular accent in Game of Thrones. They were in the north. The north was supposed to be kind of like more, you know, Scottish. Right. Well, just because you're a history major, okay, does not mean you know everything, sir. It means I know apparently more than you do when it comes to World War One. That's for sure. No, I know everything about World War One. We've established this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, he's good and Scottish, and I think he would make a fantastic Bond. I, I will reiterate this many times. Yes, I, a fantastic James Bond with a completely different accent that we haven't heard before. Again, Sean Connery, Scottish. <laughs> or no, I wouldn't know Sean Connery Scottish. I'm saying we've had a Scottish James Bond before, so it's not like it's new ground. It is pretty new ground. <laughs> I'm doubling now at this point. And I can tell, yeah. <laughs> I think he would be awesome. And I don't think he's gonna be tied up in Marvel considering the fate of the character. So I think we're gonna I think he's free. Yeah, we're fair the character and again the fact that from what I understand they are not intending to do a sequel to this just have the characters kind of pop up in future other films makes sense Cersei's an Avenger in the comics so that would be sweet and of course you know the Black Knight also an Avenger we'll get it these guys will pop up they'll get like some you know HBO Max I'm not HBO Max Disney Plus shit DC. That's how we're in the Peacemaker show, though. I'm actually pretty excited for. Yeah, I know that. I also know that the Scots, as part of Great Britain, fought in World War One. Yeah, so did I. That's what I said. You fought in World War One. That's a new one. Yeah, I did. There's a. All right, I'm just gonna bring this up because this is making me think of that. There's a com- comedian Dan Cummins who I've talked about a lot on all of our shows because he's got an epic series of podcasts and is a big inspiration of mine um he has a bit in one of his specials where he talks about pathological liars and how these guys are choose your own adventure stories come to life and how if you navigate the conversation correctly you can get these people to admit the craziest shit that never happened and then just keep making them double down (laughs) and it's awesome check that out we're not pathological liar there i'm just telling you the facts yeah my 28-year-old friend fought in World War I 100 years ago. Yeah. I yeah. believe you. I single-handedly <laughs> won the war. I believe that. You went over there and just fucked up the Kaiser personally, huh? I ramboed those Nazis. Oof. All right. Here's, here's a little tidbit I might want to share with you. It wasn't Nazis in World War I, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, I know that. You know that now. Yeah. I, I knew that already. Uh-huh. Nazis were never World War One. They were like World War Three. Uh, probably actually the way we're looking. Yeah, probably. <laughs> World War Three, Revenge of the Nazis. That's that's what it's looking like. Yeah. Different country or of origin though this time. Anyway, World War One was not the Nazis. It was, however. The Germans. Which uh, were pretty much Nazis, but that's fine. There's no, no, no. Different, different <laughs> motivations. Very different motivations. They caused two world wars. Does it really matter their motivations? Kind of, yeah. No. This is history, two. my friend. Finding the motivation. <laughs> like, why oh, did this happen is a big oh. part of it. 
if recent events have told me anything, that doesn't matter for shit anymore. <sighs> I don't like where this conversation's going. <laughs> I don't like how we got here. I don't like that we're here. <laughs> I want to get out of this. So I'm going to talk about Angelina Jolie now. <laughs> Oscar winner Angelina Jolie plays Thena, the Eternal's greatest warrior. Jolie won her Oscar for her performance in 1999's Girl Interrupted and was nominated for her performance in 2008's Changeling. She's one of Hollywood's biggest superstars, having appeared in Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Kung Fu Panda, Salt, Wanted, and Maleficent, among any other, uh, many other projects. And uh, I've never really been a big fan of hers. Uh, from what I've seen, I don't really get it. But she's not bad in this. She's not bad. I'm pretty sure she directed World War II. Maybe I just want to point that out. Yeah, um, Unbroken. Yeah, so look at that Nazi still. Nice. I like how we still within that room for you. Moving on. <laughs> um, I almost said something <laughs> horrifically out of context that would have put that baby wrangler thing straight to bed, and this would have been the new thing. So I'm going to not say that and share it with you when the mics go down. <laughs> You sure you don't want to share it? God, no. Do I not want to say that on the air? This is over. All of it's gone if I say this. God, God damn you. You want me to pause no, it and tell you? you? <laughs> All right. One second. So I was expecting her to have a bigger role in Eternals. Honestly, I felt she was kind of sidelined. I was surprised that she would grab a role like this as a side character. Yeah, I thought I was expecting more of it because I think Angela Jolene, she's such a big name. But I mean, I'm kind of like you. I've never been one of the people that just loves and fawns over her stuff. Um, yeah. You know, like, really, like, this is like my evolution of like Angela Jolie over the years. Young guy, came up to puberty, thought she was hot, thanks to movies like Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, Mr. Mrs. Smith, especially that opening scene when she's in that, gets in that particular outfit. Um, wanted other stuff like that that came out that I was like, ooh, okay. Then I got older and I was like, I don't really like a lot of her movies. I do like her action stuff usually more because I think she does good in action movies. Um, but it's never like I'm never like, oh, a new Angelina Jolie film. Like, I don't get excited like that. But I didn't wasn't bad in this. I didn't see Tomb Raider until earlier this year, so I didn't get to like. I never really thought much about her growing up i i mean anybody who's listened to our boogie nights episode know that i have always carried a torch for heather graham but um i i did i've never seen mr and mrs smith either uh i just haven't really looked into her work that much because i'm not what i've seen i haven't been wowed by i didn't care for maleficent i didn't like tomb raider i liked wanted but not because of her and i just eh, you know i'm in no hurry yeah, it, it was a very, I don't know, it's, her film career is very interesting. I, I mean, admittedly now she's more known for humanitarian work, it seems like, than, like, movies. That seems to be her main focus. But, like you said, like, I thought what she did happen was actually pretty good. Um, I thought she did good. It was weird to see her not really get, like, a lot of screen time. You would think with her being probably, like, you could argue amongst the main cast, like, just taking real side characters here. The main cast of Eternal, she was by far probably the biggest name. 
in that cast, so I'm surprised she got so sidelined, but that she was at least willing to do that. From what I've seen, what her being willing to be, you know, more of a side character than the main character, and what she said about, um, was it the Middle Eastern countries that were banning this movie to make me go like, oh, okay, she seems like a pretty nice person and knows what's up, because I did agree with her comments she said about Middle Eastern countries that were banning this, and that it just shows how ignorant and uh, regressive they are with stuff. True. I do appreciate Disney refusing to censor the uh, the the gay kiss and all that, like in this this time. I appreciate finally they they didn't do that. Yeah, it, it's because it's finally showing that like, look, I get it. In those countries, they have a different set of customs, a different set of rules based off their religion. But we're getting to a point where like you just look like an ignorant asshole. Well. A big belief of mine is that religion does not give you a green light to be a fucking bigot, regardless of what religion that is. So, yeah, I'm glad that we're, at least in some case, in this case, you know, not just, you know, kowtowing. So, yeah, I hope this sets a precedent for Disney in the future. Yeah, I hope this shows that they look, we're not going to back down like you can just not show this movie. If you're going to be that imposing on your rules and that strict on your people you're just not getting a movie yeah be like tom petty stand your ground don't yeah. back down now if disney disney can be like this with china i know fucking that's the one we keep trying to bend over backwards for but disney will kiss china's ass forever that'll never stop yeah. <laughs> but you know i'll take a win when i can get one yeah, and like I said, I did agree with Angelina Jolie's comments. I was, I was with her with those. Did it bother you that her kind of, what was it, mad weary? I think they called it. Her sickness kept kind of appearing only when it was just like necessary for the plot. Yeah, like at the, in the third act when she, they're fighting to stop the celestial from coming out, it never, it never happens. <laughs> yeah. There, like I said, there's a lot of weird plot stuff that kind of happened through this movie that threw me off that I wasn't really into. And the the switching from like the the past events to the modern events was didn't flow well with me. It just kind of dragged at times where I was like, oh shit, okay, we're in the past. Okay. And then, be, and then you go back to the present and be like, are we in the present now? Okay. I that didn't bother me. I to be fair though, you were kind of you know tired. And I had a waiter, a very persistent waiter, bringing me just sweet tea after sweet tea. So I was wired. And uh, was tired nothing got past me. I was tired because of the movie. I was fighting sleep because during this movie. Oh. Well, I wasn't. Uh, however, I was at one point just like refusing drinks. Like, just take it away. From, take it away. I don't want it. <laughs> They kept plowing me with drinks, and I'm just like, "Isn't like this isn't alcohol? You're not gonna, you know, you're not taking me home. So stop giving me, stop giving me drinks. It's too much." But it was good, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oscar nominee Salma Hayek plays a- um, Ajak, the Eternals' leader. She was nominated for her performance in 2002's Frida. It was also in Desperado, the Hitman's Bodyguard, From Dust Till Dawn, Dogma, and she can be seen in just a few weeks in House of Gucci. She's having a good year. Hitman's wife's bodyguard, then this, then House of Gucci. Good for her. I've always thought she was incredibly talented and insanely hot. So 
she was good in this. I thought she, again, she was going to be more of a major player. She was more of a flashback character, but I get why it made sense for the movie. Yeah. It's almost amazing how like the, some, the two biggest name actors you have in this movie aren't the most used actors. I mean, I appreciate that a lot that they were giving the other guys a chance to shine. Like the ones that, you know, again, Richard Madden, like post Game of Thrones, probably the most screen time I think I've seen him in a movie personally. Then other than Night 17, I haven't seen a lot of his other stuff. Um, same with the lady that's played Cersei. I know she got a big boost because of the crazy rich Asians. Um, but yeah, they, they got a lot more chance to shine as opposed to people we've already seen in Hollywood for a long time now. Um, that's so with that, you know, Simon Hayek did do really good in the scene she was in. She's always a reliable actress. And like you, she is insanely hot, aging great, dear Lord. Did you see Hitman's wife's bodyguard yet? Not yet. You're, you're going to like it. Uh, it was really funny. I like anyway, the first one. I did too. Um, Oscar nominee Kumail Nanjani plays Kingo, eternal movie star and um, energy projector. He was nominated for Best Screenplay for 2017's The Big Sick. He was in Stuber, The Lovebirds, and Fist Fight, among others. He's set to appear in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series next year. Disney Plus, which I kept looking at. I didn't realize that that's coming out next year. Me uh, neither. Wow, okay. That is going to be so exciting. I'm looking forward to that more than anything Star Wars related. I can't believe like Disney now has to really look at their schedule for their Disney Plus and be like, all right, so we got all these Marvel shows coming out. We also got Star Wars content. We got dudes, people are loving our Star Wars shows. Like, I would hate to be the guy that has to organize between Fahey. <laughs> And whoever they have in charge, I don't think Kathleen Kennedy is in charge anymore. No, so, it's uh, Dave. Dave Filoni is in charge now. Okay, and between and Dave Filoni, about when the fuck they want all this shit scheduled to come out. And I know Marvel probably has priority because of how it lines up with their fucking movies. I'm just picturing Woody Harrelson crying in Zombieland, drying his tears with with the cash. That's Disney right now, you know, suffering from success and all that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, we got to organize all this super successful content we keep making. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> it's just the shows. We still got the movies. What are we going to do? Where are we going to keep our billions? <laughs> I'm just picking now I'm picturing Scrooge McDuck just swimming around his gold coins. <laughs> You know, Filoni and Feige are like Disney's two most favorite people. Or just like Feige had to give Filoni like an honorary samurai to join the club after like the Mandalorian. Like, oh, now you can join us. Come over and enjoy the wealth you can bring to this company. <laughs> Gobble gobble, one of us. Um, one of us. <laughs> who are we talking about? Again? Kumail Nanjani, uh, Kingo, who is great. I, I think he's hilarious, this guy. And anytime he pops up in anything, he pretty much steals the show. And the whole idea of Kingo just being a movie star, like a like a Bollywood star for like a century who's just like playing his own, you know, great grandfather and then his grandfather. I thought that was cute. Uh, yeah. I didn't think it was weird how he kind of sits out the final battle. Yeah, I thought maybe he had like a triumphant return, but he just kind of sat the whole thing out. 
Um, I mean, that part was, again, one of my other negatives. I was like, oh, he just doesn't. And then he just pops up again to help them move. It was weird. But uh, To help them move. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, it was so strange. I was like, okay. But uh, no, I'm with you. I've always found Kamran uh, Anjiani fucking hilarious. There's something about his, his delivery, his style of comedy that just always cracks me up. He's like that almost deadpan, like over-explaining delivery he loves to do is the funniest shit to me and he was just just as funny in this as anything else with his cameraman who was cracking me the fuck up i love the cameraman just every time a camera would break he'd pull another one out of his bag sprite how many cameras do you have always bring backups (laughs) just that he was so jazzed like he kept voting with them and things like trying to be part of the part of the group and nobody like was, how, like, excluding him. He, they were just like, yeah, come on. Yeah, I like how they all kind of liked him. Yeah, I like that, too. <laughs> that was very sweet. Yeah, it was like a mutual, like, well, like, oh, no, we like this guy. Like, even at the end, when, you know, he leaves, and he's like, I just want to thank all of you for letting me on this journey and being a part of this. And I'm like, oh, He's so sweet. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. Nadiani was good in this. I really liked him. Um, I, I I know a lot of people were losing their minds because he got super jacked, as if we're still surprised by people getting jacked from Marvel movies. I'm like, I don't know why you guys are surprised. Like, this happens to any actor that joins Marvel. So, um, but he, yeah, I really liked him. And again, I don't know why he sat out the fight just to then be like, oh, you guys need help moving? Yep, gotcha. When I was watching this, I kept thinking, like, I wonder if something like this was supposed to be the Inhumans movie they had planned a long time ago. And they kind of, I wonder if they recycled anything from that and put it into this. They had to, because I still like, think that's one of the most biggest travesties Marvel's ever done was just like, hey, we're going to do the Inhumans movie. And then they took it off the schedule with no explanation. We're like, we're just gonna make a show, and not only we're gonna make a show, we're gonna make the showrunner the guy who did the first season of fucking Iron Fist. Like, okay, nothing you said excites me. <laughs> yeah, there's a few characters that need some MCU redemption. And humans is one of them. Oh yeah, and Iron Fist. And Iron Fist, and I still think Ghost Rider. I know he had apparently a great return on one of the many fucking shows that aren't canon anyway. So it's like, okay, well, that is, I don't give a shit now. I'm just giving him in the actual MCU. Yeah, I'd love to see him pop up in like, you know, Blade or Doctor Strange, like one of the mystical movies. Sweet. Fuck it. I say bring Nick Cage back. <laughs> Make his Ghost Rider movies canon and just keep, you know, riding that one. Just to piss off the fans because then people like me have to go, fuck, I got to buy those two movies now. I have the first one. I, I don't intend to ever buy the second one. The second one is garbage. At least the first one's watchable. If I were to ever buy the first one, I would have to buy the second one. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for you. I bought the Suicide Squad today. That was that was fun. It came with a whole bunch of uh, character posters I'm going to frame. Oh, nice. I need to pick that up. I need, I saw the 4K at Target. I just never picked it up. Oh, yeah. You're, you're 4K in it. I'm still, I'm still Blu-ray in it. Well, that's just because I'm better than you. And I no, know it's because it. you have more money than I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm better. 
<laughs> Moving <argue>. on. <laughs> Some things should be left unsaid, my friend. <laughs> you ever heard of subtext? Jesus. Oh, okay. <laughs> Moving on, uh, Leah McHugh plays Sprite, the per- perpetually young Eternal who can create illusions. She was in The Lodge and the short-lived series American Woman. Um, I can't believe they went the whole movie without a soda joke. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. I was so blinded by the fact that you got no Game of Thrones joke. Blind. <laughs> I'm really upset about that, all right? But yeah, I'm surprised by that. Um, besides that, I I liked her in this action. I really liked her arc. I did think the whole like she loved Icarus thing came out of nowhere. Because I remember watching yeah. it, not getting that hint at all. And then all of a sudden, you know, Kumail Nanjiani's Kingo says it about halfway through. And I was like, wait, what? It's like, where the... F- did I-? I was like, did I miss something? Did I miss a part where that was like built up because i don't think this was built up <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i didn't hear what the fuck you just said but uh i thought her character was actually really annoying mostly because i just don't care for teenagers um you know you were her, once connor we all were but i grew the fuck up she was perpetually a teenager i'm sorry yeah it was annoying it was like yeah, but you're like 8,000 years old. Act, act like it. You have the body of a 15-year-old. You have the mind of an ancient alien. Use it. She has the mind of a 15-year-old that's lived for 8,000 years. Get it together, man. I just thought, like like you said, you know, her decision-making skills were whack. And she was just kind of a hindrance. I don't know. Just because you hate kids and you like to wrangle babies... <laughs> I don't like to wrangle babies, but if it must be done, who are you going to call? Um, I don't hate kids. I just don't think teenagers are that interesting. I've said that many times on all these shows. I just sounds like some pretty kid hate there, sir. Whatever you say, Mister World War One Nazis. Yeah, sounds about right. right. They start two world wars. God damn it. Brian Tyree Henry plays Fastos, an eternal with the power to build anything. He was in Widows, If Beale Street Could Talk, Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse, Godzilla versus Kong, and the TV series Atlanta. So he's, he's his stock is rising. Um, and he was hilarious in this. And he is Marvel's, what, like fourth or fifth first openly gay character? Are they doing that too? I, okay, so this is all I want to point out. What I did finally like about this was that I'm getting so sick and tired of Marvel feeling the need to absolutely make it point out, pause the goddamn movie to be like, hey, look, it's a gay character. We're diverse. We're different. We're 2021 now. And it's getting to the point where like, I'm getting fucking tired of this and like, stop fucking pointing it out. Like, it's getting. You gotta make that clear. Marvel's not doing that. Disney is doing that. Disney, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like Disney, it's like okay, I get it because it's like we well, at this point you're virtue signaling. Like, stop it. I personally don't give a shit if your character's fucking uh, trans. I don't care. Stop fucking pausing the movie to point it out every goddamn movie that comes out. What I really like about the Eternals is that for once, for fucking once, they didn't 
pause the fucking movie to point out it was just a gay guy just in a in a relationship with a kid and that was it it just happened it's in the movie it's not paused it's just a thing and you move on like you should in fucking life because who gives a shit what someone wants to put their dick into that's up to them yeah really sounds like you don't care (laughs) okay i just get tired of people fucking having to fucking point it out every goddamn movie yeah okay uh it's like okay they're a gay couple cool got it oh yeah well <laughs> i don't know all right i all right. wasn't expecting a rant sorry it's just because disney has done that so many times of being like look we had our first our first gay couple in this movie and the next movie like look our first gay character in this movie Eternals, which is like, yeah, it's a gay couple. It's a gay couple. What about it? Loved it. Fucking loved it. Props to uh, Josh Gad, Jack Whitehall, and Brian Tyree Henry for playing Disney's first openly gay character. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder who their next first openly gay character will be. As long as they don't point out, I'll take it. As long as it's just a part of the plot and we move on. It's just like that's who the character is. Okay, cool. What do you mean by pointed out? Well, like Disney in the lead up, like a lot of times the marketing loves to keep talking about it. Okay. They didn't talk about it too much with this one. It was just part of their story. Okay, whatever. Like you said, I don't give a f- shit who puts like where the one people want to put their dick. That's up to them. But you know, representation's good. And I'm glad yeah. people can have that. Yeah, um, that's, what, that's what I'm. That's why I say like, just make it part of your movie. Like, you know what I mean? Just like, just put it in there. Because to me, when they point out so much in interviews and stuff like that, you start to virtue signal, in my opinion. Like, because now you're, it's almost like you're trying to like really point out. You're like, you're like, hey, see, look, we got it too. We're cool too. Yeah. And it's like, just put in your movie and move on. Like, like no one gives a shit. Them pointing out, you know, hey, you know, exclusion is wrong unless it's in China, in which case all hail the overlords. But in the rest of the world, exclusion's bad and we want to look like we care. It's never we want to care. It's we want to look like we care. I, yeah. And I think that's why pointing out so much bugs me. Because yeah. like in this case, they didn't for Eternal. So it felt like a genuine thing and just a part of the movie. Like when he was sitting there wanting to go back to his family and protect Earth because of his his husband and his his son, I felt it. I, I I'm a I'm a I'm a straight man, and I still felt what he wanted because I'm like at the end of the day he's in a loving relationship with people he loves and he wants to go back to them. And I can it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is, what your gender is, anyone can fucking relate to that. Yeah, and that's that's what it should be. You know, it should be just characters are characters and their sexual orientation or, or you know it shouldn't come into play as anything significant it should just be you know a character should just you know a male character should just casually mention their boyfriend and we don't even notice like that's that's really how it should be that's how i am really like i don't care you yeah. are what you are yeah it, yeah by all means you can definitely make because again i understand representation absolutely matters and i absolutely agree that like there needs to be these type of people 
um, in movies so that, you know, gay people, trans people can have that representation, can have that person to look up to and see themselves in the movie. But again, like, don't constantly point out the interviews in the lead up and make it such a big deal because it starts to come off very not genuine by the time the phone comes out. I agree. I get what you're trying to say. I hope everybody else does too. I hope so too. So I really am coming from a place of like, I am absolutely down for this. Just make it part of the movie and move on. Yeah. Um, Lauren Ridloff plays Makari, a speedster eternal. She plays Connie on The Walking Dead, was also in Sound of Metal, and she is in fact deaf in real life. Uh, I'm glad that she's able to play, you know, provide some some deaf representation out there although honestly i didn't know her character's name on the walking dead until i put this together but that's not her fault that's that's the walking dead also the walking dead has so many characters you forget me up nowadays and again i'm behind again I've, i'm back to i just don't care again I'm, i'll watch it i'm just not in any hurry it's on the last season anyway but uh i i do remember watching this going I think for like the first half of me, I was like, she looks familiar. I've seen her or something. And then about halfway through, I went, that's it. She's in fucking Walking Dead. It's the same character. I was like, that's right. She's the deaf actress. Yarp. Yeah, she's she's good. I'm really glad to see, you know, I know, I think Quiet Place was like the big one to really kind of open doors there. And again, kind of talking about representation, like absolutely awesome to see her in this and, you know, a different type of character, like Lo and behold, it's almost amazing how, you know, as divisive as this phone may be, no one's bitching about the gay couple. No one's bitching about the deaf character because at the end of the day, that whole fear that Hollywood had of not going outside of white cis male was unfounded because no one actually cares. We just want good characters and a good story. Well, and also, you know, most of the world aren't white cis males it's time to start depicting a world that actually fucking exists and i'm glad we're doing that i also find it funny that people of all colors and creeds and genders can unite under the fact that they just don't like this movie (laughs) i find that comforting as a human being i mean i disagree with it but i'm happy that they they can do that Hate brings people together, and I'm glad to see hate pointed at something that, you know, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> There's one thing I can get behind. It's people not enjoying a movie. Yeah, okay, I get that. Yeah, I understand that. I, I, I've been there myself. Um, many Barry Keaton. Hmm? So you've been there many a times with me. Oh, my God. It's like every time I don't like a movie you like, it's like I'm stabbing you somewhere and you won't heal until I change my mind. Yeah, that's exactly what you do. Barry Keegan plays Druig, an eternal who can control human minds. He was in The Killing of a Sacred Deer, The Green Knight, Dunkirk, American Animals, and he will be in The Batman next year as GCPD officer Stanley Merkel. And um, he's a bit of an odd duck. Uh, I've never seen his eyes make any expression ever in any movie I've seen him in. I, he, he, I'm getting scared with actors like him and Esmeralda. Is this a new generation of actors being like people I just cannot stand? 
for whatever like weird reason. I think you just don't like, you know, m- like young millennial male actors who don't change the timber of their voice in any performance they give, which I get. I don't care for that either. I was like, so far, yeah, you're right. Or when you do a weird like press trunket for the Flash, and you look in your intro, seems like you're fucking stone and not caring about what you're doing. Not a big fan of that either. Fucking Ezra Miller. I would just also like to point out that he just straight up body chucked a female fan on video, and nothing happened. Like that was a weird video. For someone who had the world on his the warden on his balls after the perks of being a wallflower, he really hasn't done a whole lot since then. <laughs> was the world really at his balls? I don't know if I'd describe that. Was that movie that much of a hit? I don't know. I heard a lot of people like it. A lot of people talk about him incessantly. And then I'm like, have you seen The Stand? Have you seen his part in Justice League? Have you seen anything else with this man? Because it's not that impressive. Yeah, I don't, you know, what is he, what Cletus Dumbledore or whatever his name is in Fantastic Beasts? I don't think it's that, but that's what I'm calling him. I don't remember. I don't care enough to look it up. I just, I don't understand. Yeah, and Barry Keegan's better, but not by much. And like he was in the Green Knight and he had like a weird role where he like stole all of Dev Patel's shit and then never showed up again. <laughs> uh, that movie, I want. I had so I had so much. I had such high expectations for the Green Knight. Oh, um, uh, yeah. So Barry Keegan, he's decent in this. The character's kind of odd. Uh, never quite know where his allegiances lie because he doesn't seem to have much of an investment in anything. That's because the timber of his voice doesn't change, or his eyes—they don't move. I think the only thing I. The only little scene I like that involved him was like when what was her name? Macari, I believe. Uh sees him again, he gets really happy and he keeps like kind of nudging her and clearly like flirting, like playful flirting with her. And then the guys, what are we watching? This I don't want to whatever we're watching, I don't want to see this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um Ma Dong Siak, or Don Lee, as he's credited in the movie, plays Gilgamesh in Eternal with Super Strength. Um, he was in Train to Busan and many other South Korean productions, and uh, this is his, his big break into Hollywood. He was such a badass in Train to Busan. Oh, my God. Yeah, I got to get on that. Yeah, you do. That's a great movie. Um, I really like him here. For his first big break, I was really happy to see him. I did again. It took me a minute. I was like, I think that guy's in Train Persona. And then about halfway there, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, he is. He's a Train Persona guy. He was a badass. Um, but I did like him in here. Was extremely sad to see him go. I was like, oh, no. But I did think like his little scene with uh, there was a line later on, originally Jolie said about when she asked him like, why did you stay? He goes, well, you stay to protect the things you love. Or that thought like really kind of defined those two relationships was that he, I think, deep down truly loved her. But because of what she was going through, he just never did anything other than watch over her. Yeah. I liked, I thought he was a good source of comedy from, um, 
this the, the scene with Kingo and the like fermented corn wine, like the spit wine that he kept drinking and then spitting out because he kept forgetting about it. <laughs> and he's like, "Can you get different beer? I thought you liked that one." <laughs> yeah, he was he was cool. I remember yeah. I had some Eternals comics growing up, and I remember Gilgamesh because he was in he was an Avenger at a, at times, and uh, so it was cool to see that. You know, Gilgamesh was a character I never thought I'd see on the big screen. So that's neat. I think he, I thought he had the best reaction when they told him that Ajax died. Oh, the oh, pie. Yeah. Like that, something about that really hit for me when he had like the pie in his hand and you used to see him kind of drop it. And then he starts to like bend it. Like you can see there's like genuine sadness and anger there. Oh, yeah. Uh, finally, Kit Harrington plays Dane Whitman. Cersei's boyfriend and future Avenger known as the Black Knight. Harrington is known for his role as Jon Snow on HBO's Game of Thrones, was also in Pompeii, Silent Hill Revelation, and How to Train Your Dragon 2 and 3. And I was very surprised at how little he was in this. Yeah, I was hoping for more, but at the same time, I'm just glad to see him in anything because I know he's kind of publicly, like we talked earlier, he's publicly spoken about like how Game of Thrones really kind of broke him a little bit. And I know he, he seemed to kind of have his doubts about wanting to continue to act. So seeing him like still going, hopefully a little more healthy, especially when like Game is over. And yeah, he was in this for a little bit, but the promise that he is going to be more stuff. And he's been, I've seen interviews where he has talked about like really wanting to be doing more Marvel stuff. So he seems to have a lot of fun doing this. Oh, that's good. So, yeah, seeing him kind of like healthy, happy and stuff. I'll take what I can get, knowing that it looks like him and Marvel have a good relationship, and we will be getting more of it down the line. Yeah, definitely. I you know, I remember the Black Knight as well. You know, he's a King Arthur knight transported through time, I believe, who uh, wields Excalibur. So they might be tweaking that a bit. You know, he might be like related to King Arthur or something. But I like the teases, and I'm excited to see how this plays. Excuse me. How this fits into the future of the MCU, and I know I liked him a lot from Game of Thrones, and I will always feel bad for the cast for how that ended. Because if we, you know, as much as we hated it, to play those characters and to see that writing falter like that, and to have to do it no matter, you know, regardless of what you thought about it, that had to have hurt more than anything. So yeah, I can understand his, you know. I'm sure he gets shit sometimes from fans who are like, you know, how, how could you let it happen like that? I'm, I'm sure the cast gets, you know, a little bit of hate for that. Yeah. And it's not their fault in the slightest. They they hated it too. Uh, so I hope I wish Harrington all the best. Uh, he's a good actor, and I'm I hate that he got disillusioned for a bit there. Yeah, I remember getting that somewhere, and it was actually I think when he was talking about wanting to do more stuff and how he was like I had to kind of I think he kind of made he's like I kind of had to take a break it really kind of affected me with Game of Thrones and but what now with that and he goes thankfully you know I got a project like this that I really enjoyed and I'm a lot happier now and I'm, he's and then they had asked like are you hoping to do more stuff and, he's, and he hoping to do more stuff for Marvel and he goes absolutely he goes I would be so happy to keep playing this character as long as they'll keep having me well, at the very least, it looks like you know Marvel's going to be pulling him out of Eternals and using him in the future. Uh, 
Black Knight is clearly somebody on the horizon. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if he pops up in like Moon Knight or you know some other supernatural shit coming up. Yeah, I did like his jokes with Cersei about like all the shit she's been through in time periods. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. I I wish we got more, but I get why we didn't. Yeah, and this wasn't the Black Knight movie. This was the Eternals movie. Yeah, and again, just saying, huge mess up team with Game of Thrones. The only joke we got was, oh, you must be the pilot. And I was like, God, just Game of Thrones show. Come on. Come on. Or like, you know, my name is Icarus. And he's like, I don't know. You look more like a Rob to me or something like that. <laughs> or even like, yeah, he would have been like, hey, I'm Dane. You look like a John. <laughs> Or even, like, what if somebody had just straight up told him, like, you know nothing? Oh, my God. That would have been great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guarantee you this was approached, and Kit Harrington was probably just like, please, no. Please please don't make me go back. Maybe. I'm Maybe, like, yeah, it could have been, like, Rob, Rob uh, God damn it, Icarus. It's like, Icarus could have been, like, Oh yeah, let's do it. And then they were like, "Well, what about you, Kid Harrington?" He's like, "I really don't want to go down that route." And they're like, "Oh, okay." I'm sure Richard Madden has nothing but fond memories of Game of Thrones. He he left when the getting was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, uh, Eternals has an IMDb score of six point nine. Current Rotten Tomato score of forty eight percent. It is Marvel's lowest scored film ever. Which I mean, blows. It's the first one to receive a Ron score, I believe. Yep. Yes, it is. You know, it does blow, but think about it like this. 26 films, the first one to even get a Ron score. That's impressive. Would have been better if it was like a clean run. It would have, but no film series has a clean run. Hmm. Actually, wait. Evil Dead might have a clean run. I don't think oh. so far... Like Lord of the Rings is a clean run. Lord of the Rings does have a clean run. Back to the Future. Well, wait. What about The Hobbit? I think those are all positives. Are they? Let me look that up. I was about to say, because technically now you have to include The Hobbit. It's all one big fucking saga now. The Hobbit, I'm, I think they all... Let me confirm this. Um... But yeah, like I said, Evil Dead, I actually forgot that that is probably the only horror series that, like, have really high fucking scores. Um, There's no way that's the only one. Um, Yeah, Back to the Future, uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. It's the only horror series. It's not the only series, only horror. Yeah, but you, this conversation started about, you said no series has a, has a perfect run. No long-running series. How's that sound? Uh, I okay. know Hobbit 1, 64%. Okay, close. That's still technically fresh. It's not the best. All right. Desolation of Smog. Smog, Smog. Smog, Smog, Smog. 74%. I do think that's the best Hobbit film, but yeah. Yeah. We all pretty much, yeah, that's, that's universal. Um and all right, the Battle of the Five Armies. Okay, the most unnecessary one. Yep. Uh 59%. Damn it. Damn, there it is. I knew it. Ah, oh, that stings. Ah, 
well um yeah it's hard for you know a franchise to stay fresh after 26 movies but marvel is pulling it off per, like pretty good yeah and i i i'm sure the rebound i, t- I doubt this is going to super affect them hard yeah, feige's got plan a through z he'll do whatever he needs to do to adjust yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, for Christ's sakes, they're ending the year with the third Spider-Man film. It looks like it's going to fucking destroy the box office. And any chance of anyone watching the fucking new Del Toro film, fuck you, moving that movie on that weekend. God. Somebody will blink. Uh, I'm losing hope because it hasn't budged. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Probably. Maybe not, though. <laughs> <laughs> really, I ah, oh, it bugs me so much, man. Because I really want people to see this Del Toro film. I know people are going to watch it. I know, I'm aware. But to open it on a fucking weekend that Spider Man's coming out, you, well, why are you doing that to Del Toro? Del Toro will get you know Oscar nomination for screenplay or visual effects or something, he'll, and he'll be he'll be happy. Yeah, but this is the thing. This is what scares me. Okay, he he got carte blanche thanks to Shape of Water. It seems like Sirius finally had fucking faith in this man for some reason. It took long enough. And then the, he does Nightmare Alley. They, op- they decided, you know what, we're opening against Spider-Man. What if it flops and then that's the studio's stupid fucking excuse to fuck with Del Toro some more and not give him the movies that he wants? It sounds like a conspiracy theory. Like, how else to ensure his movie fails? Yeah, I know. I know how this sounds. God, oh my God, people in my life are rubbing off on me. I think you might be onto something actually. The studio has always had a, you know, Hollywood's never really understood Guillermo del Toro. They've never given him the budgets he wants, the films he wants. The, it's, it's always, he's always had to fight for every film he's ever made. And this might be a way for the studio to just finally, you know, drop him, prove that they don't, you know, he, once and for all that his films don't make money. And, uh, Honestly, I think he should just cut his losses, form, you know, deal with his own production company, stay indie, and just stop, you know, stop trying. Yeah, I'm I'm down because it's like this is getting annoying. There's so many, so many. I mean, you got people like him, no Marshall, all the versions I'm probably forgetting right now. That's just like, why do the studios want to fuck with them? Leave them alone. They bring you money, and yet then you turn around and go like, how can we mess this up? Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Guillermo del Toro is an Academy Award winning director now. Show him some goddamn respect. <laughs> My favorite moment of the Oscars where he won best he won best picture. It was the one right after uh, Moonlight where they yeah, they announced La La Land and like massively fucked up best picture. Well, this time when Guillermo won, when Shape of Water won, he grabbed the envelope out of Warren Beatty's hands and double checked. <laughs> It was hilarious. Yes, that little faith that they like him that much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so far, Eternals has grossed 161 million on a budget of 200 million. Go see it in theaters. It needs the money. 200 million is <laughs> fucking crazy. Uh, and actually, pretty small for Marvel. So, go see it. Um, so let's, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about the movie, um, Eternals, you know, they're in a constant war with these creatures called the deviants. 
which are it's kind of vague about like what their whole deal is, but that's intentional because the celestial manipulating this whole thing is trying to keep it low key. Yeah, as we find out about halfway through the movie. Yeah. And if you know anything about Marvel Comics, like deep lore, you know that the Celestials are just cosmic fuckers who are constantly manipulating smaller people's lives. So the surprise that the Celestial was a bad guy didn't really come as a big shock. No. And I thought, honestly, like you mentioned it earlier, talking about the villain problems, maybe it has a major, a major villain problem. So devi- deviants are really explained so again about halfway through. And even then the main bad one, not really given that much motivation other than he's tired of them getting killed by the Eternals. You know, it's now getting revealed that the Celestials are behind and also why are you even going after the Eternals? Why don't you team up and take out the Celestial, you fucking idiot? I was expecting that. And then no dice. Um in yeah, no the the Celestial was like, I'm supposed to be scared of this thing that looks like it's not even moving. Like, ever. It, you never see it move. It's yeah, till they, till, they fuck, till they fucking betray him, and then he shows up like Galactus to take care of some business, which was kind of freaky. Didn't, that was cool. Uh, what's his name? Ar- Aramesh? Arishim. Ar- Arishim. I was close. Um, yeah. I'm not going to rock still, so. I, Arishim sounds sounds correct. Um, yeah. So our the deviant that can absorb the powers of the of the Eternals is named Crow. Yet another <laughs> Game of Thrones potential reference there. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you noticed, but he's voiced by Bill Skarsgård. No, I didn't. I heard it was in the movie. I was like, I don't see. I was like, he has to be a voice for something. I'm just not getting it. But uh, again, he wasn't the most thought out villain, in my opinion. Like he, like why, why? And then they never did. Did I miss it, or did they just never explain why the fuck he's able to absorb their powers? Um. Yeah, that, explain it. that just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I was about to say, I know I didn't miss a fucking thing, but they do not explain, like, oh, yeah, this one can absorb powers, and this is why it's just like, no, he just is absorbing powers. That's what this one's doing. Yeah, he just does. Um, and then, of course, you know, you got Arishim, yeah, you got Crow, and you got Icarus. And it just doesn't, you know, there's no... The villain really is more the Celestial that's coming out of Earth. Tiamat, which was cool. That the, the visual, this film's visually incredible. I'll give it that. It's like the cinematography's lights out, and the visual effects are stunning. Yeah, I mean she she's being uh, Chloe's out as well. No for cinematography, though. Thanks to Nomadland. Oh yeah. Yes. Um, but another thing that Nomadland didn't have really was conflict. And while this kind of does, like, there's a plan here there's no real driving force and that's because of its villain problem. It is just kind of meandering to the end, which right. is okay with me. Cause I honestly, Marvel could do, you know, I could watch an entire movie of just like Captain America doing his taxes and I would probably be on board with it. So at this point they got to really, really fuck up for me to not like it. 
Yeah, see, I'm uh, unlike you. I expect a good movie. I do too. I just <laughs> we have different definitions of a good movie. Yeah, because for me, this the whole idea of like meandering for two and a half fucking hours bores me to goddamn death. I get that. That's fair. I just thought the characters were interesting enough to keep me invested. I do. I wish I had a stronger villain. That moment where Athena just fucks up Crow was pretty exciting when she just slices him up. That was nice. Yeah, I think had they had a stronger villain and maybe just want, take one of the villains out, like take the deviant villain out. Or again, have it team up at the end so then you can still keep your goddamn deviant villain but he teams up to help. Um, I would have said keep Icarus as a villain because I actually thought he was the strongest one they had. But again, that is due to Richard Madden's performance. I thought it was fucking great. So I thought Icarus was actually the best villain they had. It was the most thought out. And again, with the Celestia, it was like, okay, they're physically imposing. I get why they're so terrifying. But at the same time, it was hard for me to get really scared, terrified of a creature that looks like it probably takes at least 800 years just to move one finger. So you barely see the fuckers move anything. I think these guys are uh, a prelude to Galactus. I think this is to set up his involvement in the in future projects so i think in the next five six years we're i think we're going to see galactus so they might retool his origin to make him a celestial which would totally which would totally make sense maybe he's like a rogue celestial who's eating all the planets they're making that would make yeah i can see them doing something like that um what um what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> Any turn? I mean, other than the post credit scenes, there's really not a whole lot in the Eternals because, again, I just felt like there wasn't a whole lot in this movie. Um, Fair enough. I'm, you know, I'm happy Jack Kirby's vision was kept alive because I know he really poured a lot of himself into the Eternals. I'm glad and, he, uh, he just needs to put more shit into the goddamn Eternals. <laughs> I'm sorry, there wasn't like a lot, like. Uh, even like the like you know Marvel usually is real quippy and humorous and they had humor in here but it just felt so off-putting with the humor in this case because the movie was so fucking serious to, to match that epic scale so when the humor hit it was just kind of off-putting for me I would like I, I like I appreciate Marvel you know overall like these films are for kids for the most part I agree with that you know they're selling toys but I would like maybe one Marvel movie that is an equip fest where it's like literally like a serious thing like this. And I thought Eternals was going to be that, but we still got the quips, but you know, it, it wasn't terrible. Like the funny stuff with, you know, Kingo and his cameraman was hilarious. And, but there are some forced bits. That's just unnecessary. Yeah. Like I said, I'm one of those that I, I personally get real tired and people keep complaining about Marvel's need to quip. Like you hear those people that are like this deep into them. So you're going, I just, I wish they stopped me. Why did they have to quip? I'm like, okay, look, we're 26 films in. They're going to quip. Like, stop fucking bitching about it. Like, stop acting surprised when you're seeing an MCU movie and they quip. Quippers going to quip. Yeah. Personally, I don't mind. I like knowing that I'm going to go in and laugh while I watch this, uh, an MCU film. It's part of the fun. It's part of their identity. Yeah. The only reason, and like I said, the only reason for me in this case it was awkward was because there was an attempt, more so than in previous films, to make an epic, serious film. So when they did do 
the clips. Yes, I do think a lot of the uh, the Kumail Nagiani ones with him and his Cameron work, but then there was a lot of other ones that just made me go, okay. Like it just felt weird with the with the fact that they were going so serious with this one. I think it's insane that we got within a two week span Dune and Eternals. That it was it's like it's the fall of space opera, you know. Yeah, I need. God, I really wish. Now I'm really wishing Jackass had come out when it was supposed to. Because I need some fucking palate cleansers right now, man. I get it. Next week it ain't gonna help you. No, it's not. Um. So you know what? Might as well go into the post credit scenes. This episode's long enough. Um. So first up, uh, the Eternals that weren't captured by Erish er- er- Erish Big Big Red. Uh, the Eternals that weren't captured by Big Red uh, are off in search of more Eternals across the universe to help fight the Celestials who they've started a war with by destroying Tiamat, which is really cool when uh, Cersei just straight up turned that fucker to marble. (laughs) That was sweet. Uh, You know, it's probably not a good idea to engineer your own race of superhumans and make them so powerful that they can do that shit to you. Yeah, that seems like a flaw in the system. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the ones that weren't captured by Big Red are off in search of new ones, and who should pop into their spaceship but Pip the Troll. And uh, were you like, who the fuck is this? Yes, absolutely. Look, okay. okay, look, this is the first Marvel film in the entirety of the goddamn MC, but I was like, I don't know a single fucking character you're throwing at me. Fair enough. They are reaching deep into the well. But Pip the Troll is a uh, is big with Adam Warlock, who's popping into Guardians 3. So he's going to be setting that up. And that was Patton Oswalt, by the way. That's what I thought. I was like, that, is that Patton Oswalt like, with the voice? Like, okay. But Pip the Troll is there to announce the arrival of Eros, brother of Thanos, the elusive, charming Star Fox played by Harry Styles and Star Fox is a goofy fucker and Harry Styles could not have been a better choice to play this guy. He's a space womanizer who is just sleeping his way across the cosmos. So he's a per, yeah, that's perfect. Uh, I'm excited to see this. Uh, he's everything Thanos isn't and he's here to help Star Fox in the, in the comics. He's an Avenger as well. So bring it on. Yeah. I, uh, this got kind of spoiled for me because some, I think it was either the tweet or some jackass put like, oh, Harry Styles is playing Thanos' brother. And yeah. I saw that before I saw the movie. I was like, oh, fuck. That, that jackass was Harry Styles. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Harry Styles. And so when I went to go see the movie, and I noticed he wasn't popping up. I'm like, oh, fucking God damn it. Why would you ruin your fucking post credit scene? You idiot. But, uh, with that said, not someone I expected them to cast for this part, um, and not someone I recognized. When he first watched it, I was like, that's not Harry Styles. Like, I'm used to, like, how, thanks to my sister, you know, I, I know how the fucker looks, because she had, like, a huge crush on him. And I was like, that's not Harry. And then I looked, and I was like, no, that's Harry Styles. All right. Um, oh. But... And again, this was a moment that was both like really cool, but also like again, kind of goes back to my problem I had with like the self seriousness mixed with the the humor. 
when he pops up, the movie takes this complete tonal shift. Yeah. And gets goofy out of nowhere to the point where I remember I had, I had asked Josh, I'm like, does this guy, I asked Josh, I was like, because he knows this more than me, I was like, does he in any way, shape, or form connect to like Guardians of the Galaxy? Because I was like, the tone went Guardians there for a second at the end. Like, I felt, and he's like, and then that's when he told me, he goes, yeah, he, he will probably be in Guardians 3 because he has a lot to do with them and Adam Warlock and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, that explains why the tonal shift there. I, I want to see the Living Tribunal and Eternity. And I'm not going to explain who either of them are. Look it up. Um, <laughs> the second post credit scene sees Dane Whitman uh, anxiously looking at a box and kind of psyching himself up to open said box after previously in the movie revealing to Cersei that his family lineage is complicated. Uh, he opens the box and it is a, uh, a black sword wrapped in cloth, possibly Excalibur, which was seen earlier in the movie. Uh, apparently it's called the, the Ebony Blade uh, so it's probably not Excalibur and it's moving. It's like some kind of living metal. And as Dane goes to touch it off screen, you hear a voice say, are you sure you're ready for that? Dr. Whitman. And we don't see who the voice is, but thanks to nobody being able to keep secrets, uh, we learned the voice is none other than Mahershala Ali. Marvel's new blade, <laughs> which was an out of left field surprise that just made me very excited about the future. So blade and black Knight are going to be doing something in the near future. And that is exciting. Yeah. I remember I was like, you, I heard the voice. I was like, who was that? And I was looking the movie up on Wikipedia actually. Cause I was like, oh, I was doing for the weekend. Let me see what viewers are saying. That kind of thing. And when I saw the cast, I, we, were, we were in Target after the movie. And I saw that. And I, I remember I literally went, there's no fucking way. And Josh was next to me. And he's like, what? I'm like, dude. I'm like, so I was like, you remember that voice you heard at the end of the movie? He's like, yeah. He goes, what about it? I was like, well, apparently that's the actor playing Blade. Like the upcoming Blade. Like that was Blade. And he goes, no. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yep that's my exact reaction uh i can't believe it i this is blade might be the most anticipated movie in my peripheral right now just because of everything that's around it and mahershala going to MC, you know, going to marvel and being like let me be blade and then being like okay and just everything that's happening here the fact we're even getting a blade in the mcu is fucking exciting yeah uh, so i'm on board i'm i want more <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, everything about this movie is just really exciting for me because it's like he went to them with Ido and then they liked it enough to approve it. Like he impressed them. Yeah. And you know, if anyone, you know, two-time Academy Award winner Mahershala Ali, fantastic choice for Blade. He's gonna be so cool, so good. Yeah, and he's already worked with them before in the first season of Luke Cage, where he played a Codmouth. Yeah, easily the best part of that first season. Just a oh fantastic God. Harlem gangster. Uh, Cornell Stokes. Uh, yeah, I'm psyched. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, everything about this lead up and then finding, and then them clearly being excited for it and 
Marvel really promoting the movie coming out and hyping it up. I think they even said it's going to be the beginning of Phase Five. Will be the Blade movie, and I've heard uh, I've heard rumors that Blade might be popping up in the Moon Knight show. Oh my god! And now that they've introduced him vocally, they're clearly. I think he's going to be making random appearances leading up to his film. That so, would be like the smart thing to do. Yeah, I bet get that's people, what happened. Get people used to the fact that, okay, here's your new Blake. We all know we revere Wrestling Snipes in at least those first two movies. And like be like, okay, here's your new Blade. You know, we've announced him already, and now you're hearing his voice. And now you're going to kind of see him, and then we finally get his movie. Like, that's a, that's a smart way to do it. I wonder if he's going to pop up if they haven't said anything, but maybe that role at night or whatever, if he might in some form be attached to that. That's a very safe bet. I mean, it's an MCU werewolf movie or special. There's no way Blade just lets that pass by. (laughs) I think, yeah. Sweet. Um, I was going to say something. Oh, yeah. I think it'd be sweet. And I maybe they they've thought about this but i doubt it's gone beyond like somebody suggesting it i think it'll be sweet if in the new blade the main villain is deacon frost again but this time a you know proper comic book adaptation of the character not just a you know drum and bass boy band dude in 98 not to disparage steven dwarf's performance i love blade you know i love blade but do a proper comic book adaptation of the character and have him be played by wesley snipes Bro, say, oh, that'd be kind of cool. I know supposedly Wesley Snipes has claimed he's been talking to Marvel. True, but Ma- no one else has said anything about that. That's what I'm saying. Like I say, he claims. Those are what I use. He claims. I yeah. can hope. It, I would hope that like Marvel being Marvel. I know I just keep making fuck my mind about the fact that they will not make the Game of Thrones joke, but uh, I doubt they're going to miss an opportunity as to see about. Putting Snipes in for at least a cameo. I've heard he's not exactly, you know, heard, uh, from what I know, he's not exactly hard to work with now that he's out of jail working again. Yeah, it's, it's not Blade 3 anymore. Now he's a little bit more sociable. Yeah, so I wonder if, like, at the very least, they have definitely considered, like, can we get him in for some kind of cameo from a little nod? Considering the- Marvel Comics owes its entire film franchise from the beginning to Blade. It's the least they could do. Yeah. Everyone forgets about Blade. It's almost, I remember when uh, Black Panther was coming out and people would just be like, oh, it's the first black superhero that they're doing. I was like, are we forgetting Blade? Is everyone forgetting that Marvel did Blade? As Blade like, once that- said to an army of Reapers, you clearly do not know whom you are fucking with. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Blade was a success, which is why we got X Men. X-Men was a success, which is why we got Spider-Man. And then that was success, and then we took like seven years. But <laughs> Spider-Man was a success, and thanks to that, we got maybe the greatest superhero movie of all time, uh, Ben Affleck's Daredevil. Thank you very much. I hate you. <laughs> I, I, I won't lie. I, I do have an affinity for that film because I grew up with it, but it is pretty shitty. Of course you do. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah. no, it, I, I wouldn't doubt like if they would because yeah, you're absolutely right. Like Marvel Blade success is what ultimately gave us 
what we have now. If that wasn't success, they wouldn't have given a shot to X-Men. They wouldn't have given a shot to Spider-Man. Blade was that success, and the sequels are even bigger success. So they yep. gave they gave those movies that shot, and they and because of it, we have what we have now. So I wouldn't be surprised if not even just first times. Who knows? Maybe they have talked to even Stephen Dorff to be like, "Hey, do you want to do a cameo? You can you can smoke your e-cigarette, Mister Dorff." <laughs> I don't know. After Stephen Dorff randomly bitched about Black Widow, I don't see Ooh, him oh, having anything right. to do with this. That's right. Yeah, I'm sure they probably thought about it. Then he said that and went, "Okay, never mind. We'll just talk to Snipes." I I would love to see Chris Christopherson again. I would be down for that. I'm sure yeah. he probably won't even mind. I feel like he's pretty easy going. He looks exactly the same as he did in 1998. I say just you know let him let him be Whistler again. <laughs> <laughs> what? If, oh god! Can you imagine if they did that and they did make like a comment on Blade's appearance? Like he made some kind of joke. Dude, eventually there is going to be a potential for Deadpool to meet Blade. <laughs> I do like that outcome. It may not be Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, but I'll take that. But I'm saying Ryan Reynolds is, you know, was in Blade 3. He's gonna make some some jokes. <gasps> yep. There's gonna be some Hannibal King jokes that 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 might happen at some point. You think Ryan Reynolds is just writing down the jokes already, like just prepping them? I don't think he writes down shit. I think it's all off the cuff. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think he's ever written anything down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I would love to see that. You know, just like you look a lot different than last time, <laughs> or like you know, I don't know. I'm I, I don't have his. Timing. I can't come up with Deadpool jokes, but I would love. I want to okay. see that happen. So we got the vamp dogs. <laughs> I want to hear him call somebody a cock juggling thunder cunt again. That is the best <laughs> movie insult I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, that was good. Oh, so yeah, Eternals. Uh, I give it an eight. I enjoyed it. I like seeing the MCU grow cosmically. I like the blade tease. I liked the black Knight. I like the characters. I want to see more of whatever Marvel wants to give me. We'll give it a six. Yeah. Um, it meandered way too long. Boring. Um, didn't really leave me excited for the movie itself, but it did leave me excited for what's to come. I did like a lot of teases for future stuff. Including yeah, the blade voice. Like once I found out, I got really, really excited. I did think uh, the performances were great for the most part. And I did like a lot of the fight scenes. I thought there was some really good filming of the fight scenes. Um, but besides that, I am on the camp that this is was not my favorite Marvel film. I think you just need to watch it again. No, I think clearly as we've established, if you watch a movie once and you didn't like it your opinion is not valid in the slightest and you need to watch Only it again. For Only for you, because you're so wrong about so many horror films you don't like. Of course. Of course. Yeah, I'm the problem. What a, exactly. what a shock. Exactly. I'm glad you finally get it. I'm going to get you one day. One of these days, I'm going to trap you and it's going to feel amazing. Well, I'm not a baby, so... <laughs> I don't discriminate. Yeah, but you're known as the baby wrangler. So let's I'm like a grown-up cry too. You just give me five minutes. 
For those of you who are wondering what the fuck we're talking about, uh, go back to a few filmgasms ago. <laughs> or, I don't remember which Connor, one it was. Connor became the baby wrangler. <laughs> oh, Halloween. That's what it was. Halloween 2018. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, check that out. You'll, you'll understand what the fuck this is about. That ain't going away anytime soon. <laughs> um, thanks for listening, everybody. As always, if you like what we do, feel free to follow us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. Uh, you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com with suggestions or feedback, or you can always send us a message to the socials. If you want to support the show uh, through Anchor, you can always click on support this podcast on your preferred podcast provider. All donations are appreciated, but not uh, necessary. If you like what we do, just, you know, listening is totally enough. We appreciate it. Next week, we get the release of Netflix's Red Notice, Kenneth Branagh's Belfast, and Disney's remake that nobody asked for, Home Sweet Home Alone. So next week is a bit of a mixed bag. Who knows what we will do? Could be anything next week. We could just ignore all these movies and do a countdown of some sort. You won't know until next Monday. Uh, I really want to do Belfast, but I know you could give a fuck, so we're going to probably not do that. (laughs) And Red Notice ain't looking too great, and neither of us wants to watch Home Alone. Uh, Because you know I just sit in that theater doing Belfast board out of my eyes and it was for the movie I just watched, and that was an MCU movie. I saw the trailer for Belfast when I saw Spencer and the tra- it was a second trailer I hadn't seen and Van Morrison's Wild Night was playing during the trailer and I got really happy and excited and was like, I want to see this. This looks really sweet. And uh, yeah, no regrets. I am who I am. I'm looking forward to Belfast. <laughs> you ever watch these shows and you're like, God, Caleb's just not going to look forward to that one. I do now. Oh, we're in award season, bro. This is this is gonna be the norm for the next few months. <laughs> God damn it. Um don't miss the Brian De Palma cult classic Sisters on Wednesday's filmgasm and the 1962 psychological horror film Whatever Happened to Baby Jane on Oscar Sunday. Have a great week and keep watching movies. <laughs>